Y'all ready to get started this morning? I feel like we're already started, aren't we? Wasn't worship good? There's one of the songs we sang. We sang that the Lord has never failed us. Think about that for a second. He's never failed us. We find disappointment throughout life, right? But he's never failed us. He will never fail us. His, his, when we trust in Jesus, he, he's the cornerstone of, of everything. Not just our lives, but he's the cornerstone of this world. And when we trust in the cornerstone, we won't be disappointed, it says, throughout scriptures. And so I just had a challenge in my heart as we were singing this morning. Lord, is there any area of my life where I feel like you failed me? And I thought, you know what? No, he's never failed me. There's been a few times where, where I've been upset or I've been disappointed in my own flesh. And I go, well, I, this makes no sense. But he's never failed me. I think when we are aware of that and we can look past the, the things that are just right in front of us, man, that's a powerful thought just to, to think on. Have I, have, have I ever said, God, you failed me? I, now, just let me, let me tell you, I've thought that thought a time or two. I've thought, God, why didn't you come through in, in this situation or that situation? But Romans 5 says very clearly that, that we rejoice in our hope that is Christ. But not only that, but we even rejoice in our sufferings because it ain't over till he says it's over. And he will not disappoint us and he will not let us down. And there's some, there's some powerful, that is so powerful when we actually agree with that and believe that. So today, we're going to talk about being a neighbor. So hello, neighbor. <laughs> How are you guys? We're going to talk about who the neighbor is and who we should be. So, I want to be a good neighbor. I actually, personally, we just, um, we listed our house for sale this week. We live up in Ashdown and we want to move to Texarkana. One of the hardest, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. But one of the hardest things is I have some of the most beautiful, wonderful neighbors that you could ever ask for. I've got five kids, so they run around the yard, and, and I mean, my, my neighbors are wonderful. I mean, three days there, I get a knock on the door, and there's two loaves of fresh-baked, fresh-baked, I'm, I'm salivating just thinking about it, um, sourdough bread. I'm like, man, lady reaches her hand out and says, hi, I'm your neighbor. Welcome to the neighborhood. And we've gotten to know the different ones around us, and, and they're just so great. And so that's one of the hardest things to leave, because hard, good neighbors can be hard to come by. But who are we? Are we being good neighbors? And what, what is, what's the obligation we have as Christians in being good neighbors? One thing is faith comes by hearing. But who's going to teach? Who's going to live their lives in such a way that, that faith can come to those that don't believe yet? Because if we're each children of God, think about that for a second. The person on the way to church this morning that ran the red light in front of you and cut you off, yeah, they're your neighbor. They're, they're, 
what makes them that is they are God's children, just like you are. Does, does God love that guy that, that cut you off and ran the red light any less than he loves you? No. Do we live like that? Do we live like he loves you more than he loves them? Sometimes. What were you thinking? <laughs> I drove through Dallas too many times. And God worked on my heart. He said, he said I love them too. Even, even though, yeah, we won't go any further into other people's driving habits because I've made a couple of goofy mistakes myself, this week included. But there's mercy. So in Romans 10, 8, it says this. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. And that's the word of faith that we proclaim. We talked about this a few weeks ago. What's the address of God? If you were to write him a letter, where does he reside? Where's his, where's his house? In you and in your neighbor. I'm not saying you're God, but I'm saying he resides in you. I'm saying if you've submitted yourself to him, you need your neighbor because your neighbor has something you don't have. And to, to fully fulfill and be the body of Christ, to be the beautiful bride of Christ that he's called us to be, we need to be confident in that. So it says the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. And that is the word of faith that we proclaim. That's where our confidence comes. It's the good news. It's knowing Jesus. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Man, I had to find myself there. I needed that word. I needed, I need to be saved. And thankfully, somebody showed me. Somebody led me. Somebody was, with their life, showed me where to go and how to do it. So for, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. He's also quoting Isaiah there. He says, not only won't be put to shame, but won't be disappointed. God won't let you down. He won't fail. I know some of you personally, and I know you are dealing with some very hard things right now but he will not fail you. He will overcome your obstacle if you allow him, or you can try to work through it yourself and see how that works out for you. Personally, it didn't work out well for me until I trusted him. So here's the good news. for There is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone, say that with me, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, this is where we talk about our neighbor, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? I'm preaching right now. I don't have the influence you have with your, life, with your family, with your workforce, with the people that you work with and for and, and all of those things. Our lives are a living example of the gospel. I'm not saying take your Bible and preach to everyone, but have an answer ready for the hope that lies within you. Amen? 
And how will they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I want that, I want, I want that to be said about me. That he, he was faithful with what he was given, and he took it. Why does it say feet? Because you're moving. Because you're going. You're not sitting still. You're moving. You're going. You're walking. That's how Jesus, some of the most powerful things Jesus did, he was on his way from one place to another. He was, he was, he was moving. He was going. He was, he was busy. And then he would meet somebody, and he'd see their situation, and he'd go, oh, my and he'd have pity for them. He'd have mercy for them. And then all of a sudden, supernatural, miraculous power would hit, and boom, they'd be healed. So we're supposed to be busy. We're supposed to be going, but we're not supposed to be oblivious to our neighbor. Amen? But they have not all obeyed, all obeyed the gospel. For as Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the Word of God. So it's not automatic. Heaven and hell are real, and people go there every day. I believe we serve a very merciful God that gives us every opportunity. I believe right up until the last minute. But we can choose to reject that love. We can choose not to submit to God. So there's a reason for us to live our lives in such a way. That's what we're called to. We have a responsibility to our neighbors. Our responsibility is to, to share that good news, to share our hope. Our, our first responsibility is not to be so focused on ourselves. You can't, we'll talk more, but you can't be hospitable and focused on yourself. You know, we have some, some really good examples. I mean, there's some places you can go eat, not today, but there's some places you can go eat and they'll say, how may I serve you as soon as you walk in the door? Tell them thank you and they say, it's my pleasure. We as the church should be better than any business at being hospitable. Our homes should be open doors of, of welcome. How can I serve you? And it's not just the people that look like us. Who's the easiest person to get to know? Somebody that kind of looks like you. Maybe they're your age. Maybe they, they have something in common with where they work. Maybe they went to the same school. So I want to challenge us today to step out of our comfort zones. Let's step out of our comfort zones for just a little while and imagine what it would be like to live in a world where our neighbor is everyone around us. I've got a friend named Barbara. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make it through this because I love Barbara. She came to me about five years ago, and she said, this was when I was in Sherman, she said, Pastor Landon, I, I have this ability, I have this curriculum, and I have a passion for this curriculum. Okay, Barbara, well, what, what's this curriculum? She goes, I want to teach people how to speak English so that they can get a better job. 
thing. Boy, in um, in Sherman, there was a huge um, population that was Spanish speaking, and and it was it was causing a disconnect with these with these people being able to succeed in life and succeed in their their work and. I thought, man, that's a huge, huge undertaking. And Barbara was passionate about it. And uh, I said, okay, okay, well, let's, let's make a life group around this. And if you haven't been around Victory Life very long, there's a few things that we like to do. We like to do weekend services. That's where we get charged up and ready to go. But then we like to meet together, eat together, talk about the scriptures, just confess our sins one to another, if you would, so that we may be healed, as the book of James says. It's important that we're in relationship with other people. But I'm going to let Fernando tell you this story. Estoy muy agradecido con la Iglesia Americana, especialmente con la Maestra Bárbara, la Maestra Gloria, Jorge Iracheta y otras personas, ahora estas gentes que conozco, porque el americano es muy amable y aprecia el esfuerzo de, de otras personas. Nosotros también apreciamos toda esa ayuda que nos dan a los latinos y quiero decirles que... Cuando yo vengo aquí, mi vida es muy diferente. I mean, no, I, I don't know what is the last time. I don't know what is the love. No, only work, only work. The for the kids have food, and only that. Fernando was walking down the street, and. I don't know, I don't usually do this, but something told me, get out and ask this man, you know, to come, so I did. And I, I think he was always there, even during bad weather. So, sometimes I think he didn't want to let me down. I don't know what it was, but he came, he was very faithful, and he studies very diligently in his English. The, the teacher, the Barbara, invite me, tell me, I gotta teach, teach you English. Come to the school with me, I teach you. I think the English is not for me, it's not easy for me. Uh, Barbara said, come on, you got it, you got it. Mexico, somebody, somebody people say to me, hey, Jesus loves you. I don't have time here, it's very different. I think come, come to America for the make money, all people, a lot of people tell me, hey, Jesus love you, Jesus love you. And I think it's, it's not important. It's okay, I need work, I need to make money, no. It's not that important that Jesus love me. This relationship, you have the opportunity to share the gospel, and that's the important thing of it. I mean, at the very least, People would learn English, and at the very greatest, they would learn English and meet Jesus. Gospel for the every every people, everybody people, not only for not only for America, no only for Spanish people, Spanish people, everything. 
and now it's different and now I understand what is the love. It's, it's not too late. Later on my, my, my hope is now later, maybe my, my, my sons together again with my grandkids, everything together for the God. Isn't that a beautiful story? Let me tell you what Barbara did. She took what was in her hand and she used it. Part of the story that I don't think you heard was Barbara was driving down the street one day and she saw Fernando and um, something in her heart simply said, stop, talk to him. She stopped and she invited him to her life group which this one was English language. Um, that man knows Jesus now. He understands the importance now because she took what was in her hand, what God had already given her, and she used it for her neighbor. So what I want to ask you even now, what, what's in your hand? What, what has God provided for you? What has, he, what has he put in you that you can use in relationship? Matthew 28, 30 through 40 says this, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments hang the law and the prophets. It says, hang there. It's talking about everything is suspended on that frame. Everything is suspended on the frame that love God and love your neighbor. As yourself. So, some of you need to know how much God loves you so that you can love your neighbor well, okay? And some of the reason we are so frustrated and we're so overwhelmed is because we don't know that he loves us. And then we get so, the enemy uses that so that we get inwardly focused. We're like, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I don't, I'm... And then, then we get inwardly focused and then we never reach out. But I promise you that he has put good things in you. He knits you together in your mother's womb with purpose. God has a mission for his church. And his mission, according to John 17, is that the world know that, they, that he loves them just as much as, as he loves the Son. That's our job. Jesus has, has given us his glory to go out and share that good news. That's a big word, isn't it? How many of you feel like you're, you have the glory of God resting on you? I'm, I'm hesitant, but yeah. Don't worry about taking God's glory. It was a gift. He gave it to you. You can't steal something that, uh, that he gave. Now, you have to be humble in it. You have to know where it comes from, but he's put good things in you so that you can fulfill his work. So everything is suspended on this, and we say it around here like this, love God, love people, and serve both. We want to be servants because Jesus was a servant. He humbled himself as a servant. 
even though he was God, he, he, Scripture says that he humbled himself to be in our place. So not only that, but we serve a God who has been where we're at. Amen? So hospitality versus hostility. This is something I'm passionate about. I don't want to be, religion is, is hostility, but Christ is hospitality. He's open to everyone. I'm not open to everyone. I want to be. But I think about some of the, the strife and the struggle in our city, and I go, man, what if that person I passed on the street walked up to my door? You know what? I know where my confidence is. It's in Christ. I know where my hope is. So I pray that he grows me in my faith to reach out. So Romans 12.9 says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. If you want to compete, compete by honoring each other. Compete by, by seeing who you can lift up. You all have a certain amount of influence in your life. You all have some friend in your life, somebody you work with. Maybe it's not even a friend. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm going to church. I'm stepping out because I'm alone. But you have somebody in your life, somebody around you that you have some sort of influence on. How can you show them honor? If we ask God these things, he'll show us. It says, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. By the way, in my, I love the heading in my Bible for these scriptures. It says, the marks of a true Christian. That means these are things that we saw Jesus doing. And when we see them in our lives, that makes us representatives of Christ. That makes us ambassadors. Somebody that takes the culture of heaven and brings it to earth. So don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Man, I relate to that one. It took me a while to rejoice in the hope when I was in tribulation. Like constant in prayer. God, God's, he's right there. He's as close as your breath. And contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Okay, so you're saying, all right, pastor, so you're saying I need to be friendly. Yeah. yeah, you need to be friendly. You're saying I need to be friendly to everyone. So you're walking through Walmart. Hey, neighbor, how are you doing? Yeah, that's a good start. That's the easy part. The next part's a little more difficult. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Man, that's where you start looking like Jesus because he was hung on a cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We, we want to think, well, well, Jesus was friendly. He was nice to the people in Walmart if there was a Walmart back then, but he actually blessed those who persecuted him. That takes humility. That takes absolute humility to go, but I was right. 
Well, yeah, okay, good. Do you want to be right or do you want to be like Jesus? Man, I ask myself that frequently. That's a hard question. Do I want to be right or do I want to be like Jesus? And sometimes when you're persecuted, that's what you've got to ask yourself. Do I want to be right or do I want to be like Jesus? Do I want to be right? Oh, I want to be right. I'm only asking this question because you know I want to be right, God. But I want to be like you. Would you put more of you in me and push some of me out so that I can be like you when I'm persecuted? Oh. What about that person who did that thing to your kid? Do I have your attention? We need to protect our kids, yeah? But you know what? We also need to pray for those who persecute them. We need to show our kids how to pray for those that are persecuting them. Not go with fists up to the school and go, and there's that bully. Man, that hurts. That's hitting home for me too. But are we going to pray for those who persecute us? Because you know what? If they had Jesus, if they would accept Jesus, if they would see the living Jesus in us and they accept him, your issue is going to take care of itself and you've got a new brother. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If it is possible, as so far as it depends on you, live in peace with all. We have, thankfully, we we talked about it this morning, in this this country, we have a great military force. That's God-ordained. Because we can't live in peace with all, but it is as, as, except for what it has mattered to us. But God ordains militaries. He ordains governance. In, uh, in the book of Romans, it talks about that, that he's, he ordains police and military to do his justice. Why does he do that? So that we can love our neighbor. So that we can love our family by having them protected. So there's a balance to all of this. But it says this, when it comes to us personally, as personal saints, if, it, if possible, so far as it, has, as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. When we really humble ourselves, we wouldn't even want our enemy to fall into the Lord's vengeance. Because what they did temporarily it makes me think of what I've done and how I've fallen short. And how can I love my enemy? I can love my enemy by praying for them. I can love my enemy by being an example for them. Amen? And y'all are quiet today. Am I stepping on some toes? No? Good. Good.
All right. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. There is no room for the us versus them mentality as neighbors. We build walls with our offense. When if we would tear down the walls by praying for those who persecute us, we'd see our country healed. We'd see our families healed. We'd see our schools healed. And I'd love to see less bullies in school. That'd be awesome. Let's pray for them. Let's be an example. Let's teach our kids to love those who persecute them. In 2 Ephesians, it talks about that we need to maintain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature to manhood, to the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. It's the unity in the faith. We need each other in our lives. We need other believers with us, around us, speaking to us, speaking into us. We're, we're launching life groups this week so that there's an opportunity for you to join with other people. How many, how many of you have ever been struggling and you finally decide, okay, I'm going to tell somebody and then after you talk about it to somebody around you who believes with you, you're just healed like that. It's just, it's like the light comes on it and, oh, that wasn't a big deal at all. I've been wrapped up for three months for nothing because, because we wouldn't bring somebody else into it because we wouldn't allow our neighbors even to speak to us. The parable of the, bank, the, of the banquet in the Gospel of Luke, it's talking about this master who had, he evidently was very wealthy because he had set all of these tables up. He had set all of this food out. He had done all of these things. And so he called all his friends and said, hey, come, come eat with me. He sent people out and said, hey, come eat. We're having a big feast. We're celebrating. And one of his friends said, well, I just bought a, a bunch of ox. I need to go check them out. Uh, one, of his, one of his friends says, well, I just married a wife. I can't make it. Please have me excused. So then he said, okay, well, go to the neighborhood. You know, the people right around, invite them. And so the servants went out and they invited all the neighborhood in. And I said, Master, there's still room. There's still room at your table. So he sent them out again. And he said, go to the highways and the byways and go out further and bring everybody in. And so then there was a great feast. What breaks my heart is how many of us don't know we were invited to the table. I want to be a people like those servants that go out and bring people in, that go out and bring people in. Hey, come with me. This is what God's done in my life. You know, I, I thought that God let me down, and then guess what? He didn't. I've been where you're at. And God showed, me, showed himself powerful. We, we put ourselves under, under the Father's table he takes care of our every need. But my heart breaks for those that find other things more important 
Yeah, you need to feed your family. You need to work hard. It says, put your hand to the plow and don't turn back. So you need to work hard. But what really matters? In the scheme of eternity, you you could retire in 30 years, but in the scheme of eternity, what is 30 years? You can go to school for high school, then you can go get your, your masterate and your doctorate. But in the scheme of eternity, those things are great. Man, I am thankful for people that are educated and for doctors and people that invest their lives. But in the scheme of eternity, that's secondary to the gospel. It's, it's, it's a blink. So where is our focus? Now, I, I know you've got to work. I know I've got to work. We've got to be diligent in our work. And I know sometimes we, we start working and we, we get busy and we go, man, I don't even know if I've prayed today. Well, you, you take God with you. Just pray with Him doing your work. Do it to glorify Him. You don't have to put God at the top of the list. You have to put Him right in the middle of your list. If you want a good marriage, put God right in the middle of it. Put Jesus in the middle of it. If you want a good job, a good career, put Jesus in the middle of it. You can serve him wherever you go because he's with you. Welcoming people into God's home, that's us. We want to be a hospitable people. We are supposed to be hosting a party. So we need to welcome all whether they are like you or not, but they need it. Everybody needs the gospel. And I I know you go, well, I don't know enough Scripture. I don't know where I was there for so long. But you know what you do know? If you've received Jesus, He's there. Open your mouth and let Him speak for you. There's There's some ditches on either side. There's some curves that keep us going straight. That's why we need to know the Word. We need to know what God says. We need to know what He says about our neighbor. We need to know what He says about us. We need to know how Jesus talked. I never, I, never, I never saw Jesus as a very critical person. So why are we critical? I saw Jesus as someone who uplifted. Now, He would tell the Pharisees, man, y'all are a den of vipers. Y'all are dried bones. Y'all are... He, he told them that because they had all of their faith in themselves. And he's trying, to, he's trying to tell them, look, my father has been pursuing you for thousands of years as you're, you are his people. He had his hand out to you and you just spit on it. Because you'd rather live your life and you'd rather live right than submit to God and let him live right through you. So what is the threshold of accepting and welcoming for you? I'm just challenging you this morning to think through some of these thoughts. My job is simply to help you, help you think of something maybe you haven't thought of. So what's my threshold? Where do I draw the line in the sand and say, I will, I will pray for them? I No. Surely God's already given up on them. Not if they're still here. 
what is my threshold of accepting and welcoming? Who do I draw the line for and say, they're worth it, but they're not? I'm worth it, but they're not. Maybe some of us need to know that we haven't crossed the threshold of too far gone. Maybe there's somebody there today that needs to know, you have not gone too far to outrun the love of God. You have not sinned too much to outrun the love of God. The value of something is directly related to what somebody will pay for it. And Jesus paid all for us, for the world, not just, not just the people that go here, not just the people that go to church every week. I mean, y'all are the good ones, but still, y'all showed up to church today. That's important because now you can go out and be the light. For most humans, the threshold is whether you are like me or not, but for Christ, the threshold was whether you will acknowledge your need. I go back to like uh, Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but think about Zacchaeus. Think of who Zacchaeus was in his culture. He was the chief tax collector. How many of you just love tax collectors? Man, y'all are quiet. <laughs> How many of you just love someone who takes something from you? Oh, frustrates me. I mean, it could be my spot on the highway. Don't take that from me. That's mine. So he had, he had embezzled. Zacchaeus had embezzled. He had, he had taken. He had stolen. He had used his influence to make himself very wealthy. It says very wealthy. But he starts hearing things. There's a buzz going on in town. There's, a, there's something happening, and he's like, huh, what is this? So he runs ahead because he's a little guy. And he runs as fast as he can, and he finds a sycamore tree because he hears that Jesus is coming. He hears through the grapevine that Jesus is coming through. So Zacchaeus runs up here, and he climbs this tree. just so he could see Jesus, just so he could see what the fuss is about. And, and Zacchaeus, while he's there waiting, that was his part. He was just anticipating. He goes, I don't know. I'm just thinking through, if I were him, I don't know what this is, but there's something to it. There's something to this Jesus guy. I'm going to set aside what I'm doing right now, and I'm going to run to him. And can you imagine God incarnate, Jesus Christ, walks up to that tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. For tonight, I dine at table with you. The thief, the liar, the one who had defrauded so many, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down tonight. I'm going to have dinner with you. What are we willing to set aside to welcome the, the ugly, the broken, the rejected? It, 
to welcome the person that's sitting next to you in the seat next to you that's hurt you over and over again? Jesus loves them just the way he loves you. And it's our job to put down our offense and our pride and to love them. The kingdom of God is open for all, but it's not automatic. We read that earlier in Romans. All are invited to the table, but not all accept the invitation. For many people will never come to repentance and forgiveness without hospitality. How are we living our lives? You see the broken people. You see the bully in school. How are we loving people? Are we loving them with, with the love of God, or are we building a wall to keep them away from us? These are hard things to wrestle out, because I promise you, you break into my house and threaten my family, there's a line I've drawn. And you'll regret it for about 30 seconds until you meet Jesus. So I'm not talking about leaving your family defenseless. I'm talking about you are spiritual people because if Jesus is in you, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Heard a story the other day from one of our, our, um, our other campus pastor's wives. Um, y'all met Pastor Jimmy a few weeks ago. He came in and spoke when I was out. and He had been out one day when, uh, when his daughter was little. And it just so happened that somebody decided to break into their house that night. So about the time the man gets over... <laughs> And gets over Debbie, and she sees him. She springs out of out of bed and just begins praying. And about the time that she springs out of bed, out of bed and, and starts praying and rebuking the guy in, in the name of Jesus, her little girl who was sleeping in there with her jumps up and starts doing the same thing. Ran the guy ran the guy clear out of the house. There's there's more power in the spiritual than there is the physical. Now, God's given us dominion over both. So what are we going to do with it? You do not have the luxury of making the decision of rejecting Jesus for others. Thank God. Thank God nobody can reject Jesus because I, for me. Because there's plenty of people that I've heard. You have too. Chiefly, probably the one that sits right next to me. And I'm thankful that we can love each other with the love of Christ and and forgive each other. You can't be selfish and self-centered and also be hospitable. That one's free. Think about it. You can't be selfish and self-centered and also be hospitable. Hospitality is recognizing the value in the fellow man even if they cannot recognize it in themselves. I pray this prayer a lot. God, help me to see people how you see people. Help me to see me how you see me. God, help me to love people how you love people. And Lord, let me speak to people how you speak to people. 
Let me be a friend to people how you are a friend to people. Because if no one will preach the gospel, how will they hear it? Now, our God is big, right? He's really big. And he's going to get his will done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And he's using people who have a free will to get his will done. So when I pray, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've begun to pray, and let me be a vessel. Let me be a part of it. Because he's going to do it. It's going to get done. But do you want to be a part of it, or do you want to hold back and do your own thing? Man, I want to I be a part. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be intimately involved in what he's doing. It's that important. Selective hospitality is, selecti- is selective valuing, selectively valuing some more than others. I don't get to determine the value of others. The value is determined by what God is willing to pay for a life. Psalm 49 says a ransom of a life is costly. Just think about what he's given. Think about what he's given for every life. And it's at that point that we can begin to show that kind of hospitality. So what's the point of it? What's the point of hospitality? I think think I've painted a picture for you, but it's for people to see Jesus. Jesus does the changing in us and the others, not us. So if we're living for Jesus, if we're living for him, he's changing us from the inside out. I, I literally believe this, that as we follow Jesus, he's constantly, as we make room, He's downloading more and more of himself into us. Now, we have to make room. We have to be like Zacchaeus and climb the tree. But he's making, as we make room, he's, he's like changing our every cell. He's like internally purifying us. And sometimes the painful part of that is we have to let go of what was in us. We have to let go of that, that habit to gossip. We have to let go of that and sometimes, boy, doesn't it just feel good to get around somebody and, and they have the same gripe as you? Okay, I'll give you, I'll pick on me today. I already told somebody today, so I'll pick on me. Our internet has been down for a week at the church. And I was frustrated. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it affected me in multiple ways. I was late on something that I am never late on because I missed some emails. Oh, that does not bode well with me to be late on something. When it's not my fault, and then there's a consequence for something that's not my fault, it's like, that's not my fault! (laughs) And so it just kind of, I was building a case about this internet company. And then I called my central guy, and he goes, I don't even understand it's a commercial account. You should have service. You should have somebody there within 24 hours. And he said, I asked him, well, what happens when you're not? Nothing. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. So I've, it's, it's caused a lot of extra work for me this week. And I was just, I realized that I was on the phone with the guy and we were kind of commiserating for a second. I go, oh, hold on a second. Tap the brakes. 
Lord, I lift this company to you. Lord, give them wisdom to serve their clients. Give them wisdom to serve this community. They're here in this community. This is people here that work for a company locally even. Lord, help them to prosper. Give their, give their management wisdom. If they won't receive the wisdom, send them a great manager that will take over this business and serve their clients well. I humbled my heart and I prayed for my enemy. Yeah, it was an internet company, okay? It messed up my day. <laughs> but it's the simplicity of the gospel. It's the simplicity of the power that God put in you to just use it. And the more you're around other people walking this out, the better it's going to go. A neighbor, a friend, it's any other person. And we're two are concerned, the other, thy fellow man, thy neighbor. According to the Jews, any member of the Hebrew nation and commonwealth, a neighbor was only an insider. According to Christ, any other man, irrespective of nation or religion, and with whom we live or with whom we have a chance to meet, there are no outsiders. When we define neighbor as those like us, we begin to look for things that are that are unlike others. And therefore, that ma what makes us different and what gives us a reason to keep people on the outside rather than welcoming them inside. So let me put that simply. Even for good Christians like us, well, that church over there, they don't believe this and we have that, that doctrine right. So I'm going to put a wall there. Yeah, they, they need to stay over there. I don't know why they're so dumb, but they still don't realize what the Word says. I'm, I'm just trying to make it simple for you. We build walls and we throw stones because we've identified what's different about something, somebody instead of identifying what is the same. Are you a child of God or are you not? I believe we all are. I also believe we haven't all responded to him, so we need to be hospitable. One of the ways we do that, and today's a, a cool day. I've been looking forward to it all summer. My summer's been so busy. I'm sure yours has too. But this week we start Life Group. I have missed. And it, it when we first started our Life Group, we, we oh man, it's going to be a lot of work. People are going to be in our house, eating our food. Well, we actually like cooking for people. So that's pretty easy for us. But we've got to clean the house. We've got to pick up the kids' toys. You don't have to do any of those things, but that's what I like to do. And then we started having this group of people come around us. And because I, again, I told you earlier, I live all the way up in Ashdown. So it, it takes a while for people to get there. Sometimes they just can't make it after work. But something so cool started happening. When you eat with someone, when you pray with someone, you're strengthened. It's called synergy. I've told you before, but you can take... By the way, this is why the enemy hates marriage. This is why he hates the gathering of the church. Because with synergy, something incredible happens. You take a horse that can pull a 1,000 pounds, and you put another untrained horse right next to him, and you think, well, they'll, they'll pull 2,000, right? No, they'll pull 10,000. It's a spiritual principle 
Because where one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. Same principle that God made a physical representation of what's spiritual. So when we gather together, when we when we join in life groups and small groups, it, it's what we do to help people facilitate it. All it really is is just relationship. It's holding each other accountable to, hey man. I know you're struggling. I know you're struggling with with that issue. But instead of commiserating and griping about it, how about we just pray? How about we just know each other enough to where we know where we can pray for each other? How about we do put 10... uh, How about we do put multiply our forces and send more the enemy to flight? That's what's important about... um, about being in a small group and getting to know somebody. You need to go to church, as Acts 2.42 says. They went to the temple. This is how the early church did it. And they, they all worshiped together. Then they went house to house. And they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. And then they broke bread together. Then they prayed for one another. They were steadfast in the prayers. And, and that's how people were healed. And thousands were joined daily. Here's something I want you to know. We've been talking about our neighbor. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 has been on my heart. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. Think about that first line for a second. There is nothing that you're tempted with that isn't common. You need other people around you to share that load. Because God is faithful and he will, let you, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with every temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may become able to endure it. It's just a temptation. And when we share that load with someone else, it becomes light. Here's one more scripture. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. This is James 5.16. And pray for one another that you may be healed. And the prayer of the righteous person has great power and is working. If I don't don't know, let me put it like this. If somebody doesn't know my struggle, how are they going to join their faith to mine? And if one could put a thousand to flight, there's been times I've needed to send 10,000 to flight. So let somebody in. Trust God and trust God in people. Because the body of Christ cannot mature until we recognize each other as neighbor. And that's what Ephesians is talking about. We can't mature until we we are steadfast in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So, Father, I just thank you that you set these things in our hearts, that you show us who our neighbors are, that you teach us to pray for our enemy, to pray for those that are literally persecuting us. Because they're your kids too. Lord, where we've built a wall, where we've built offense, Lord, we humble ourselves and ask you to take it. Lord, we drop the stones and we reject them. That we're going to show people the love of God. 
Because as you've sent us, as you sent Jesus to, to love the world with your love, you, you've sent your love through him to us. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to take just a couple of minutes, and I want you to know if you, have, if you need prayer for anything, hang out. I want to have the prayer team come up here in just a moment. Somebody would love to pray with you and join their faith with, faith with you. But again, being Life Group Launch, I haven't told you guys, but all you leaders, would y'all come up? I want to pray for you. Um, we're just going to pray for you. I just want people to know if you need to get connected, look at some of these people. Um, talk to them. They'll help you get connected. Even if they don't look like you, maybe they will know somebody that they can help you get connected to. Come on, man. Come on up. Yeah. These guys are not doing it for honor. They're not doing it for, for accolades. They just simply want to know their neighbor. So can we as a church bless them and join them? Father, I just lift these group leaders to you. That you've given each and every one of them special gifts. You've given each and every one of them something in their hand for to, you, to use, for you to use. So Lord, we just ask for them to have wisdom right now to know what that is. To know how to hand that out. To know how to give what you've given. To know how to use it. And Lord, I speak over them that they will be able to, to bring connection to their neighbors. And Lord, I'm speaking right now that this group will multiply in this church, that we will become a, a church of relationship, a church of leaders so that we can impact our community. Lord, I thank you for each of these, these precious people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right, we're going to worship for just a little bit more. If you need prayer, just linger, and, and the prayer team is going to be here at the side. Um, feel free to be dismissed. Go ahead and stand, and as, as, we, as we worship, y'all can make your way out or, or, or stay and, and worship. But I want to bless you before you go. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Father, I thank you for the grace of Christ in our lives. I thank you that every one of us, that among every one of us, none of us are too far lost for you. That you pay the ultimate price. And I thank you for taking us out of these doors to love this community, to bring this community back to wholeness. To bring people that have never been whole to you. Father, we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your miracles in our lives, that we are not alone, that you are faithful.